not to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Father God, we're thankful for your word. And Lord, it is your word. We don't look at this as just a book written by man. We know it's the God-breathed, inspired, infallible, inerrant, perfect, holy word of God. And uh, we pray today that we would treat it as such. I pray you'd fill me with, with your spirit to preach and, and help me to, uh, to say only the things that I ought to say and protect me from saying anything I ought not. May I uh, be, be able to preach clearly and accurately and practically today in such a way that uh, your word is honored. And I pray you'd fill us all with your spirit to hear. Give us, as Jesus said, ears to hear today, that uh, as we listen to your word, we'll receive it and uh, it will bear fruit. So guide and direct, apply it to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 4 of Mark started with the parable of the sower and the soils, and we saw that a week or so ago. That was the first 20 verses. And we saw several truths that emerged from that particular parable, and as well as Jesus' explanation of that parable to his disciples. He explained there that the seed in the parable of the sower and the soils was the Word of God. We saw that in verse 14. And he explained that the sower in the parable depicted the ones who's sharing that seed, preaching the word, sharing the word, witnessing uh, is the sower. Jesus said that the sower could not determine whether the seed grew. His job was just simply to fling the seed, not make it grow. Jesus said the seed didn't vary. It's the word of God. It, no matter where it fell, it was the same word. It was always the same. And so whether or not the seed bore fruit was not due to anything in the seed itself. No, Jesus said that it all depended on the soil, the heart of the hearer. Well, now, in our text, in verses 21 through 25, I think he's building on that previous parable. I think he's, uh, he's going a little bit further with it. He's continuing his teaching on the importance of receptive hearts to the Word of God. Good soil, hearing ears. Reminding us that when we did receive the Word into good soil, we didn't receive it to hide it but rather to share it. One man said the purpose of this parable was to put the disciples on notice that they were being entrusted with significant new revelation which they were to proclaim to the world. Three things that I think we can pull out of this passage in three ways we'll divide our study. First of all, the word was meant to be and will be proclaimed. First thing we'll see. Secondly, benefits derived from the word are proportionate to the effort put into it. And thirdly, benefits derived from the word can be lost. So let's look at those three things. First of all, the word was meant to be and will be proclaimed. That's verses 21 through 22. Also, he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. We read that passage and we might be tempted to apply what Jesus is saying there to all sorts of things. We might say something like this. There is no hidden sin that won't eventually be revealed. Of course, that would be true. We might say something like, there is no evil motive that won't eventually be revealed, and so on. We could apply it in that way. And those thoughts can be demonstrated other places in Scripture. Numbers 32 and verse 23, be sure your sin will find you out. I mean, we could go to various places and see that. But I don't think that's the primary interpretation here. 
Jesus is talking specifically about the revealed Word of God. And he's building on that previous parable of the sowers. And he is telling the disciples that what has been revealed to them through the Word is not to be hidden, but is to shine forth. Now, interestingly, depending on what translation of the Bible you're holding, you'll notice that verse 22 is translated in two different ways. In some English translations... It indicates that what is hidden will be revealed. In other words, it's a prophecy, it's a promise that will be fulfilled. If you're holding a King James or a New King James or a New Living Translation, you'll probably notice that that's the way it renders it. In other translations, English translations, it indicates that what is hidden is meant to be fulfilled. Therefore, indicating God's purpose or God's Design, and that's the approach that the English Standard Version, the NASB and the NIV take. The NIV, for example, renders that verse, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Now think about those two different ways of dealing with that verse. If the purpose or design interpretation is correct, then Jesus was saying it's not God's intention to hide the truth. It's God's intention to communicate the truth. He wants to communicate with us, and it is our sinful hearts, our sinful desires that block the communication, not Him. And He's also saying that the purpose in revealing it to us is not just for our own use, but so that we might pass it on to others. And so if we think about it that way, the purpose and the design way of thinking about it, if we think about it that way, we ought to come away convicted Because what Jesus was saying is we have a task to fulfill. We have a job to do. We have a mission to accomplish. The word was given to us so that we might share it with others. If the prophecy or promise interpretation is correct, then Jesus was saying that the good news is like a light which is destined to shine out. If the disciples share the gospel generously, they will receive abundant blessings. God's kingdom is coming like a crop growing slowly but surely day and night. Its beginning may be small like a mustard seed which is almost invisible, but in the end it will be unmissable and unmistakable, a landmark and a shelter. And so if we come away with that, from that interpretation, and, and that's the way we look at it, we ought to come away encouraged because it reminds us the truth's going to win. It reminds us the gospel's going to get out. It reminds us that the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So which is right? Which is the correct interpretation? Was Jesus being prophetic here and promising that eventually the light of the world would be revealed and couldn't be hitting? Hidden, or was he stating intention here and pointing out to the disciples that they had been entrusted with the truth for a purpose to spread it and share it with all they could? Which is it? Well, I think, as is always the case when we see these kinds of things, I think both are true. I think both are true. One commentator managed to put the two different interpretations together, and here's what he suggested Jesus was saying, uh, and I quote, he said, I, I have privately expounded to you these great truths, but only that you may proclaim them publicly, and if you will not, others will, for these are not designed for secrecy. They are imparted to be diffused abroad, and they shall be so. Yes, a time is coming when the most hidden things shall be brought to light. So both are true. So the message will not be concealed. It will be brought to light. And we see that, don't we? We see that happening right now in our Muslim 
uh, the Muslim parts of the world. Have you, have, you, have you read anything about what's going on in the Muslim world, about the thousands and thousands of people who are turning to Christ in that darkest and blackest of parts of our world? Because the truth will come to light. And now, so, so the message will not be concealed. The message also must not be concealed. And we as believers are to be busily spreading it and sharing it with all we can. It's our commission. It's our mission. And we need to be about it. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's our mission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's our mission. You should receive power if the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you should be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. It's our mission. Paul expanded on that truth when he told Pastor Timothy, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. It's our mission. And so before we go any further with this passage, we have to ask ourselves the question, What about you? What about you, brother? What about you, sister? And we're talking to Christians here today. You have received the truth into good soil. What are you doing with it? Are you hiding it? Or are you passing it on? He said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. Well, so there's the first thing we see from this passage. The second is this. Benefits derived from the word are proportionate to the effort put into it. Benefits derived from the word are proportionate to the effort put into it. That's verse 24. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Take heed what you hear. Now, interestingly, this is not the only place in our Bibles where this particular parable occurs. It also occurs in Luke chapter 8. Yes, Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. But if you go there, you'll notice something interesting. Luke had something different to say. Mark says, take heed what you hear. Luke says, take heed how you hear. Might seem a minor thing. It's interesting, though. And both of them have a slight different nuance of meaning, and both are interesting and important thoughts. Take heed what you hear. You and I, as believers, must be hearing the word of God above all else. That's what we should be hearing. We are bombarded with so many influences and so many different sources of information today. But we must learn to subjugate every single one of those to the Word of God. We must. We must. It is unlike any other source of information we have. Even in this information-rich 21st century, the Word of God is what we must hear. Only, word, only God's Word claims to be and is supernatural in its origin and in its content. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Paul told Timothy, all Scripture is breathed by God. Supernatural in its origin, supernatural in its content. Hebrews chapter 4, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Only God's Word is that true of. God's Word, given by inspiration of God, literally God-breathed. God's Word, alive, 
The Word of God is quick, alive, living. It alone can divide the indivisible. Theologians can't really tell you the difference between the soul and the spirit. They try. All kinds of things have been written. The most learned and modern physicians can't really draw a clear line between bone and marrow. But God's Word can divide the indivisible. It can discern the indiscernible. You and I can't understand another person's thoughts or intentions. I can't even understand my own thoughts and intentions. Can you? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I don't know my own mind. But the Bible can know these kinds of things. God's Word is powerful. Nations and entire regimes have tried to destroy God's Word. Hitler tried to burn it. Communism tried and continues to try to suppress it. Islam has tried for hundreds of years to kill it. Individuals have ridiculed it as irrelevant and foolish, but no matter how many rail against its truth, no matter how culture attempts to ignore its authority, the indefeatable power of the Word of God remains. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. God's word is the most powerful force in all of the universe. And we can have this power in our lives. We can harness this power to win the lost. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And so take heed what you hear. It needs to be the Word of God. We need to be listening to the Word of God. But not only that, and I think, I think we need to bring in the, the accounts in Luke as well. Take heed how you hear, Luke said in Luke eight eighteen. Let me ask you, when the gospel is preached, how do you hear? Do you listen? I mean, really listen? Or is your mind drawn away and filled with so many of the worries and concerns of the day that you're just kind of here, you're just kind of sitting, and you're not really listening? When the time for your daily devotions comes around every day, do you set everything else aside? Give the Word of God the attention it deserves? Do you ensure distractions are minimized? Do you read it carefully, prayerfully? Take heed how you hear. For that matter, do you have a time of daily devotions? I mean, obviously, taking heed to how we hear first assumes we're hearing it all. First assumes we're reading it all. Are you reading your Bible on a regular basis? Christians, we talk about this a lot, and we do so because it's important. Perhaps you're like some who complain, many who complain there's just not enough hours in the day. You just don't have time to fit that in. But most people have no trouble finding a couple hours every night sitting in front of the television. Most people today have very little trouble spending a couple hours every day on social media. How take it how you hear. See, Jesus was very clear in this passage, and he was very clear in the parallel passage in Luke. He taught that what you hear and how you hear determine how much more you hear. In other words, you receive the benefits of the word in direct proportion to the effort you put into it. Jesus' disciples were hearing, therefore they were receiving more and more from him. Others were not paying attention. Others were not hearing. They weren't listening, and so they were receiving less and less. They ultimately lost interest and turned away from him completely. It's a principle. It's a principle that we see not only in this parable, but all throughout Scripture. The amount of effort and the level of intensity that you bring to your faith determines what you're going to get out of your faith. You remember the story of Joash, the king of Israel? 
Joash, the king of Israel, went to visit the dying prophet Elisha. I don't know if you remember this or not. He was concerned, Joash was, about the conflict with Syria. And so he went to Elisha. And Elisha's laying there in his deathbed. And he says to Joash, take an arrow and shoot it out the window. And so Joash did. And Elisha said to him, that arrow is symbolic of the Lord's deliverance uh, from Syria. You will be delivered. That's what that arrow means. So then he said to him, take the rest of the arrows and smite the ground with them. And so, let me read here. He said, take the arrows. And he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And so he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Elisha wanted Joash to literally wear out the ground with those arrows. Because what he was saying, his response, uh, it was proportionate to the amount of effort he put into it. Because his response was small so too would his victory be. That's what Jesus was saying. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. Another example is in Second Kings chapter 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather, just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. And now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Another example of how the benefits are proportionate to the effort put into it. Jesus said, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. Theologian J.C. Ryle put it like this. Let me read a little bit from his notes on this. He said, this is a principle which we find continually brought forward in Scripture. All that believers have is undoubtedly of grace. Their repentance, faith, and holiness are all the gift of God. But the degree to which a believer attains in grace is always set before us as closely connected with his own hard work and the use of means of grace and his own faithfulness in living fully up to the light and knowledge which he possesses. Indolence and laziness are always discouraged in God's word. Labor and pains in hearing, reading, and prayer are always represented as bringing their own reward. The desires of the diligent are fully satisfied, Proverbs 13. The shiftless man goes hungry, Proverbs 19. Attention to this great principle is the main secret of spiritual prosperity. Those who make rapid progress in spiritual attainments, who grow visibly in grace, knowledge, strength, and usefulness, will always be found to be hard workers. They leave no stone unturned to promote their soul's well-doing. They work hard at the Bible, in private devotions, in hearing sermons, in attending the Lord's table, and they reap according to what they sow. Just as the muscles of the body are strengthened by regular exercise, so are the graces of the soul increased by diligence in using them. Do you wish to grow in grace? Do we desire to have stronger faith, brighter hope, and clearer knowledge? Beyond doubt, we do if we're true Christians. Then let us live fully up to our light 
and take advantage of every opportunity. Let us never forget our Lord's words in this passage. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. And so, we ought to be reading our Bibles lots. Eddie Merckx was a great bicyclist. He won the Tour de France five times. And as far as I know, he did it without being drugged. But he won it five times the hard way. And one day he was asked his secret of success. And he said in a very famous reply, ride lots. That's his secret. Ride lots. And so we ought to study our Bible a lot. We ought to share what we learn in our Bible a lot. We ought to read our Bible lots. Because with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Well, one last thought. Benefits derived from the word can also be lost. Benefits derived from the word can also be lost. This is verse 25. For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Here then is the other side of the coin. Jesus said the amount of effort and the level of intensity you bring to your faith determines what you're going to get out of it. Then he also said if you put nothing into the faith, you're going to lose even what you had. Now, we have to be clear right at the beginning. He's not talking about our salvation here. He's not talking about loss of salvation at all. That's not, not, not his topic. We know salvation is a gift of God gained through no merit of our own. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. We know that. He wasn't talking about that. No, rather, just as in the previous parable, he taught that the receptive heart resulted in the word bearing fruit, while the non-receptive heart had it snatched away. So here Jesus is saying that the more receptive heart receives and receives more, while the less receptive heart receives less and may lose even what it seemed to receive. I think there's a word here for both the believer and the non-believer. To the believer, I think I see a promise in this verse. You might not have noticed that we usually concentrate on the negative part of this verse. Notice what he said. Yeah, I think there's a promise. He said this is not all there is. There's more yet to come. The best is yet to come. Whoever has, to him more will be given. In other words, this is not all there is. To the unbeliever, I see just the opposite. I also see a promise. But the promise is this is all there is. You have nothing to look forward to. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This verse is a warning to those who aren't listening. It's a warning to the lost because it reminds us that if you're not listening now, you will not be able to listen Later, read the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and you'll see this so wonderfully illustrated. You see, there's no Bibles in hell. There's not going to be a gospel in hell. There's not any soul winners in hell. There's no Holy Spirit in hell. And so if you're not listening now, if you don't respond now, you're eventually going to lose the opportunity to do so. So it's a warning to the lost. And it's not all good news for the believer either, because in addition to the promise that the best is yet to come, I think there's also a warning here for us, which is the same. Use it. Or lose it. I think that's what he's saying. We all know Christians who used to be immersed in the Bible. Used to be knowledgeable of the Bible. Students of the Bible. And yet if you were to ask them today, they struggle to recall. We know people like that. We all know some who used to teach. But now struggle to articulate even the simplest truths of the gospel. We all know believers who used to enjoy the worship of God and the preaching of the Word and the fellowship of other believers, but now they're on the periphery and they're barely participating at all. Perhaps you can relate. See, Jesus is saying here, use it or lose it. 
whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. I think Jesus was expounding a principle we see in every aspect of life. You know, I used to know a little French. I took two, uh, two years of French with my cousin Cathy in uh, high school. Took a semester of French in college. Now I can say, let's see, I can say bonjour. I can say je m'appelle Guillaume. And if I had to say anything else, I would struggle. Because I don't use French. And therefore... I lost it. You know, I, I, used to, I used to be able to do one-handed push-ups like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Listen to the laughter. But it is absolutely true. And now, since I have not done one-handed push-ups in the last 30 years, I couldn't do one if I, somebody had a gun to my head. It couldn't be done. The challenge seems clear to me. We need to take heed to what and how we hear. And we need to put effort into what and how we hear. Because what we get out of our faith is proportional to the level of effort that we put into it. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this parable. We thank you for the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that it speaks to our hearts today. I pray, Father, that if there are those of us here today who particularly need to listen to this, that we would. I think, Father, that there might be some here today who don't know you as Savior. And even though this is not truly a salvation message, yet I pray that somewhere throughout this they heard the truth. They heard the message that uh, if they don't trust Christ as their Savior, they're going to die and go to hell. And if they do trust Christ as their Savior, they're safe and secure in him forever. And I pray, Lord, they'll respond to that. I pray they'll trust him and be saved, whether they step out and come to this altar at the front and kneel and let someone pray with them here, or if they just bow their heads right where they stand and Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Would you save me? I pray they just respond. But Lord, mostly this message today is for believers. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was talking about believers. And I pray for the most part that uh, believers here today would respond. And I pray, Father, if there are those of us that have not been putting forth the effort we ought to, that, Father, we'd uh, be convicted of that. Help us, Father, uh, to put work into our faith because we know that Jesus said uh, it's what we get out of it is proportional to what we put into it. So help with that, Lord. I pray if there's anyone who needs to make some decisions or some changes or repent or confess or anything that needs to be done, I pray, Lord, you'd help them to do it. Speak to us. Help us. May we respond as you would have us to. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would work right now as we conclude our service with this song, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus.